Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where Wednesday is mug day with $7 cousin cocktails. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller for the next couple of hours. Thank you for joining us here this morning as we talk some sports with you. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. College basketball conversation up first, but bottom of the hour. Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report has been with us throughout the tournament. He'll join us for the final time as we take a look ahead to Duke, North Carolina, Villanova and Kansas with Kerry Miller. Uh, he'll come up at uh, 10.30. David Eichold covers the Hawkeyes. They're in the news. They had a football press conference opportunity yesterday and the basketball team. Of course, some news emanating out of that program is Joe Toussaint, who uh, was promised, not promised, was uh, seemed to be anointed as the starting point guard this year, and it didn't happen. did for a while, but Ball, as we know, went back to Jordan Bohannon. And then the writing on the wall, maybe for next year, with the emergence of Perkins, and Joe T. read that wall and decided uh, he's going to move on. So we'll talk to David Eicholt about that. And then David Kaplan, 1130, Chicago Sports with Cappy, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bears, etc., with our buddy David Kaplan. We'll pick his brain on the uh, how he sees the Final Four on Saturday and what he thinks about the potential matchup would be. And man, oh man, Trent, good morning, first of all. Um, more, What's going on? Well, more and more, I'm just starting to think that I'm barking up the wrong tree with North Carolina. Oh, yeah? It just, just seems like it's Duke. It's Duke. It's a coronation yeah. that this thing was all a setup. Well, no. That we're watching a fake sport. Yeah, no. I'm WrestleMania's gonna... this weekend. Uh, no, no. And that's where you're going with me. No, that's I, how you're going to start off my not Wednesday. Not a tinfoil hat. Okay. It, no, there's no conspiracy theory. No, they're never, the officials aren't going to hand it to Is that Duke. Alex Jones I see over there? Yeah, What's right? going on? <laughs> Boy, he's something. Is uh-huh. he, where did that cat come from? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it just seems like they're playing so damn well. Mm-hmm. That proverbial switch has been flipped since we saw them late in the year, and they're they're playing out of their mind. So we'll see. North Carolina's not going to roll over. I think it's going to be a good game, but it just feels like Duke. I really hope that I am wrong. Anyways, uh, so that's the show to, uh, this morning. A lot of ground to cover early. Let's start with Joe Tucson. I just want to bring up something later on, maybe in this first segment. Uh, and you know I'm an old school kind of sports guy, and I love hockey, and I, I get why there's fighting in the game. Last night pissed me off. Really? There was a brawl last night that was just uncalled for. And fighting belongs in the game, in my opinion. The one last night didn't. And if you're going to get fighting out of the game, that's the type of fight that needs to be out of the game. If you didn't see it, 
I retweeted it from my Twitter account last night. Or if you don't want to go there, um, if you're on Twitter, just go to the search and search. Well, you won't be able to spell Delorier. <laughs> right. I mean, you print maybe you can, but Sealer's way easier. S-E-E-L-E-R. And watch it for yourself. And we'll get into that in a few minutes because, I again, um, that, that turns a lot of people away from the sport. Uh, that in a minute. So Joe Toussaint. Look, I like... I hoped he was coming back. Mm-hmm. I understood the speculation. I think we talked about it when um, you know when he lost his spot. That is probably you know once the season comes to an end, there's a pretty good bet that Tucson's going to be in the portal. And then you see him in tears, and the emotions catch up catch up with him in Indianapolis. And he's talking to Grandma what the team means to him and uh, what that uh, what that weekend meant and what it uh, what it means to wear the the black and gold. Um, but a few days removed from that, weeks, I guess, now removed from that, uh, he had a change of heart. Your thoughts? You know, Tucson is such an interesting player because he's the kind of point guard that Hawkeye fans have been clamoring for. They wanted that athletic, quick guy that could go off the bounce and get into the paint and do those kind of things. And though, yes, he could do that, he also became out of control at times. And mm-hmm. he would get going too fast. And there were some negatives that went along with the positives that was there. We saw him as a starter this year. And frankly... He wasn't good enough. No. Nope. Wasn't good enough as a starter. And because of that, you kind of look and you look at the future of this program and what they're going to be. It feels like all signs are pointing to they're going to hand the keys off to DeSante Bone. That they're going to say this mm-hmm. is going to be your team. Now, does that mean that Ulyss, if he sticks around, is a starter at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year? Sure. But I think reading kind of between the lines here, it was a decision for Tucson. Come back. We know the relationship. He's lived with Patrick his right. whole career. Right. He is a guy that they are very tight. Yep. But... I think it said a lot, and we speculated about the conversation in tears with his grandma. Mm-hmm. Back home, not watching him play, just watching him on TV. Yep. So you think he's heading east? I think so. Yeah, that I mean, makes sense. I would be very surprised if we see him end up you know, somewhere in the Midwest, mm-hmm. go out to the West Coast, whatever it is. I think his destination is going to be in the Northeast and probably somewhere closer to home. I just That was just such a moment. You see guys emotional. You right. see guys in tears. Yep. but. There, there felt like there was something maybe a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And again, this is all speculation, but it just struck me at that time that that was just a scene, not a normal emotional scene. There, there was a little bit more to that. So I, I think that's a pretty easy way to connect the dots. And wherever that is, wherever it turns out to be, is it you know going to New York City and, and trying to play at St. John's or is it, yeah, I'm going to go play at Fordham? You know, what, right. Whatever it turns right. out. You know, there's so many destinations that you can go out there. But regardless... I think that's ultimately going to be where we see Joe Tucson, a guy that'll be remembered, I think, in a positive light. Was he good enough to be a starting point guard on a really good Big Ten team? No. We saw that. Yeah. But a backup piece, a guy that could come in and change the game, he absolutely had that ability. Finishes this year top 100 nationally in assist rate, eighth in the country in steal percentage. Defensively, the best team by far plus-minus box score uh, for the defense this year on the Iowa basketball team. He was a great defender. He was a guy that could run your team. He's a prototypical prototypical backup point guard. But he probably didn't want that role. He wanted that role mm-hmm. to be a starter, to get 30 minutes a game, to see what he could do, maybe do it close to home. So you put all those things together, it makes sense. It's a blow, but this isn't devastation. No, it, it's um, I, I selfishly, I, I like watching him play. Uh, and for that reason, I, I hope that he'd come back and we get to watch him play um, this, this fall into in, into next winter. But that's not going to be the case. Is he the last? 
I don't think so. I don't think so either. I still think there's going to be a gun delay news. Yeah, and uh, Patrick McCaffrey came back on Twitter after the podcast oh, we talked about yesterday. It back a little? And said that people misunderstood. They were talking about golf, and people misheard that. And I said, I just heard the little clip, you know, the little 10-second uh-huh. clip that yeah. he had there. That you shared yesterday, yeah. That yeah. he said, I, we were not even talking about that. We were talking about golf uh, at the time. Okay. And people misheard, if you will. Connect the dots, go whatever direction you want, but that was at least Patrick's explanation gotcha. of what happened there on that one. If you're a gun delay, what do you do? Your guy, obviously, no real ties. He went to a prep school up well, in the where, Northeast. Yeah, I was just going to say, where's he going to go? You, you transfer down? I, I don't know. He, he seems like such a fun-loving guy, too. Mm-hmm. Smile on his face. He goes Teammates love him. Yes. So we'll see. Because there is still a way where he can mm-hmm. be a 12, 14-minute-a-game kind of guy that comes in there, bangs yeah. his body around, makes some plays. He's not going to play 28 minutes a game. No, I don't think he physically can. Right. And even if he loses 40 pounds and gets in better shape and does those kind of things, I don't think the skill set, at least right now, is that kind of player. But he can be a piece. He can be an important piece when you're pay- playing some of the behemoths that you're going to play over the course of the year. And there's going to be, well, there is every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know who's going to stay and who's going to go and who's going to join. Uh, but the Big Ten, that's what you're going to find on most nights. Did you see Chad Leistico sit down? I, I saw it was like a four-minute clip uh, at the at the register on the sports page, uh, him and and, uh, and Fran McCaffrey. McCaffrey, um, Coach McCaffrey, really is putting a lot of eggs in Chris Murray's basket next year mm-hmm. and Patrick's. Yeah. He thinks Patrick's got a big step coming next year. And we saw it. How often during November and December did we come in here and talk about moments where Patrick just didn't play smart? True. Lots. I I stated many times it was the lowest basketball IQ for a coach's kid Mm -hmm. I had ever seen at the Mm -hmm. collegiate level. Little Lick had more basketball IQ than what we saw at Patrick. Now, there's that picture, Little Lick, and I don't remember what <laughs> against Purdue. Yeah, against Purdue, two behemoths coming oh at him. Oh my gosh! It just he's so going reverse layup. It almost looks fake. It does. Yeah, and he hit that shot. Yeah, apparently which, so. Which was yeah. the most wild part about it. Patrick's basketball IQ. You saw times where the offense is moving, and then he'd do that. Go into the lane, spin one way, nothing there. Spin back the other, nothing there, and he get caught. That improved as the year went on. This is a guy that did lose a lot of court time, a lot of developmental time. And mm-hmm, physically, no though he's gotten bigger, he's still not a real big guy. Offensively, it's there. The light has come on for him offensively. There are times the ball sticks a little bit too much for my liking in his hands, but the dude can score. And he's got an athletic ability to get to the rim. There's a lot of things that you like about him. Now he's got to be more than that, though. He's got to be more than just a guy that can score. Can we get a rebound? Mm-hmm. You know, can we Can we get... Get a couple of rebounds a game and get those numbers up a little bit more. Can we defensively, again, we talk about the basketball IQ, can we see improvement in that area? Because he has the athleticism. He had a big block shot. Was that Ohio State game, I think, late in that game? He can play defense, but I think sometimes he relies more on his length than anything else. I don't know physically if he can bulk up anymore. You know he's got to be trying. Mm-hmm. It's not like he hasn't. Yeah, tried this will to do be that. a big off season for him. I agree with you. And with the the thyroid cancer that he yeah, had, yeah. is that a reason for it? I'm no doctor. I just play one on the radio. You can connect some dots there, also. But for Patrick, it's not about the offense. It's about becoming more of a team guy, if you will, understanding exactly what you want to do, both offensively and defensively, and then helping out more than just scoring. Because I think it's there. The talent certainly is there 
for him to be an impactful player game in and game out in the Big Ten. Well, we, we shall see. We'll have to talk more about that with David Eichel. We'll get into the uh, football as they met. Oh, a number of players met the media yesterday, including Spencer Petrus. I'm getting sucked back in. I'm stuck. Why? I know. What I, is going I on? I don't with you? know. It was this way last year, too. You had another tinfoil hat going on? Well, What's I don't know. So, two years ago, right. summer 2020, he's handed the starting game. Yep. I didn't understand it at the time, nope. but didn't see enough for him to be handed the start until late in the year. But he was handed the starting uh-huh. job and he was bad. He yep. was bad. No two ways about it. He was right. not good. Right. And then we go back to last summer and I'm watching him throw the ball against air. Mm hmm. With what's his coach's name? Tony Duh. Recipio, something like that. Butt dart. Um, That's a ripoff. Thirty-three, twelve. Dot drop step twelve. I, I, it doesn't mean anything. He's throwing a football. I, I get it. I was in. Jeez, I, I bought in. Guy drives me nuts. Hook line and sinker. Uh, and then I listened to him yesterday, and he's lost weight, and he's he gets it. I just Trent. There's no one. If not him, who? Anybody. Okay, but they don't have anybody. Anybody else. Anybody else. That's where I am. Yeah. Anybody else. I know. I don't think Padilla's very good. And I'm not saying he's going to light the league on fire. I just don't know. I think he wins by default. He is a guy that looks great when the shorts are on. Yeah. And he got the Physically, shells. He looks like he looks the part. He can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. He can throw it through. He can make he's all He's got a really throws. good arm, yes. When the red jersey's on. Right. But you don't wear red jerseys no, in football games. No, and they actually, uh, they're allowed to touch the quarterback. And that's the other a team, I mean. He has no pocket presence. Mm-hmm. When things go bad, he poops his pants. I mean, he just, he is a guy that I think will never be able to get past what we see. Yeah, he can look great in a practice. He can look great against Maryland. But when the lights are the brightest, we have shown, and now we have two years of data that's to show true. you, we do. he is not good enough. Are the other guys good enough? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably not. I don't, I don't think, think Padilla is. is. No. And is it Joey Labus? Yeah. We will see. We'll see. It's a freshman. There'll be some growing pains mm-hmm. there. But what we do know, regardless of what you see in those practice films, <laughs> is Spencer Petrus isn't good enough. Now, who's the other kid? It's 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 the name spelled like Patrick Liney with a Z on the end. Lynette, they, uh, they, they, Marco, Marco Lane. Uh, yeah, it's Liney. He's in high school, though, still. Right, right. I yeah. understand it, but he's on the come. And I saw him, I saw some tape of him um, with the same coach, Tony Tony mm-hmm. uh, R, putting him through the paces. So we'll see. But that's what we'll talk about with David Eichold uh, coming up. Real quick on the NFL, in particular one of our regional teams. What, what do you make of um, Arrowhead? The, the Chiefs are getting set to move. Possibility. It's a real possibility. And why is why are people so pissed off that this is going on? Because it's Kansas Missouri City, Missouri versus, team. Oh, I yeah. get it, but it's it's not going. It's not like you're. I, mean, I don't know the area well enough. Mm-hmm. My Canadian really shows when it comes to the Missouri Kansas border. I'm not particularly fond of Kansas City. It's not one of the cities in like I, I'd rather go to Minneapolis. Certainly rather go to Chicago. Yeah, Minneapolis way better. I even like Omaha. Kansas City, for whatever reason, never really floated my boat. It's easy and an easy out uh-huh. to get to Arrowhead. Yeah, and I do like the fact that well, I've never, I haven't been to Arrowhead because I refuse to go watch the Chiefs. <laughs> but I love the Royal Stadium. Yes, I mean Kaufman's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but the city itself, uh, uh, Power and Light District's okay when mm-hmm. you know for the Big Twelve tournament. But um, as a Midwest, say I like St. Louis way better. I don't know. It's just 
two states mm-hmm. vying for the same thing. I, I think and one, what, is. Is, what about a lid on it? One of them wants one of the drawings that I've seen. Mm-hmm. They want to put a roof on. Now, if they do, that probably gets you a Super Bowl. Because Kansas City, for now the last decade plus, has been working very hard to get a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And as everybody else basically has got one, and new stadiums have got one. We've had one in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. We, they wanted a Super Denver Bowl. Denver didn't also. get one because of outside, yeah. And there were talks at the time of trying to put some kind of basically retractable right. roof on Arrowhead as it's currently constructed and basically be a tarp uh-huh. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. But but to do that for a Super Bowl. Now they played one in New York. Sure they did. I don't New understand. Jersey, but yeah. I don't understand how they can't do the same thing in Kansas uh-huh. City if they really wanted it. Well they caught lucky, let's be honest. But maybe it's amenities. And maybe that's also a piece of this well, I too. I think it's Kansas City. Yeah. Is it I I'm, they put I'm, one in Jacksonville. I've never been. I've heard nothing but terrible things. Yeah, of the Florida cities, I'm with you. Yeah. So they put one in Jacksonville. They, mm-hmm. Everybody has basically had a chance. That was Patriots-Panthers, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't I remember. Think. I think, anyways. A lot of complaints, though, about Yeah, there were. There were. And I'm not going to cry for anybody that has to go cover a Super Bowl in a crappy yeah, city really. that you don't like. <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that wine is, is ridiculous in its own right. In Kansas City, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's a city. I think it's more than anything the stadium. I think mm-hmm. that's a big piece of it. And are there enough suites? But it's still as loud a stadium as you're going to there see is, in the yeah. NFL. But is it suites? Because it's an older stadium, Maybe. that's a piece of it too. Ultimately, that's what they want. And if they go across the river, they go to the Kansas side of things, that's where the racetrack is. you got the soccer stadium mm-hmm. over there. It's kind of the new development, where the casinos, will. I think, probably. Is that where it is? I think, yeah. Arrowheads. The story from Arrowhead Stadium. Every time, for whatever, it pops into my head what they did to Jordan's love, Jordan Love's mom and girlfriend when he got his first start against the Chiefs, and they put his mom in his. I mean, oh, in the upper deck, in the upper deck, in the very last rope for crying out loud. That could have been a Packers. Problem well, I, too. I, th- I might have been. And I mean, you know what? I don't know who Jordan Love still signed a, fir- a first round. I get it. If he wanted his family to have but, some better but he's tickets, he's got to be the only. When in that spot, maybe he's not. It just kind of seemed weird that my 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 boyfriend, my son, getting their his first start in the NFL and doing so against the Chiefs. He's wearing a Packer jersey, and they're going to park mom and um, and the missus um, up in the final last row. Anyways, all right. So let's get into this hockey story from last night. I showed you the fight this morning. Yeah, I retweeted it also from the Miller and Did you? account. Yep. Okay, uh, and and it's a. It's as violent a fight as you're going to see in hockey. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, was surprised as I was watching. I, I have too. And and I um, I follow on Twitter, at Hockey Fights, okay. because I like to catch up on the fights from the night before. And you seldom see one like this. But Trent, it had nothing to do with the game. And for the people that won't watch hockey, that don't understand fighting in the game, when when if that's your example... I get that argument because this was a a preconceived, a setup fight, and you'll never be able to tell me otherwise. It had nothing to do with the game whatsoever. And Nick Delorier, who we talked about when he came over at the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, I was I was that was one of the names I did not know very well, right? And I was trying to convince everybody, look, jump on this wild team. They're mm-hmm. a different team. They were twenty-two to one. They're eighteen to one today, by the way. Um, at least they were last night. Um, but regardless of that, so Delorier comes over, and he's he's a physical dude, but he hadn't fought yet. He's been there for over a week, and he still hasn't fought mm-hmm. as a member of the Minnesota Wild. So this guy, when they're going through the warm-ups, if, you're going, if you've never been to a hockey game, or 
center ice, right? The red line down the middle, mm-hmm. and one team's on the other t- side of the red line, the other team's on the other. It's kind of the dividing line uh, for the teams during the warm-ups. And Delorier parks himself right at center ice, and kind of an intimidation factor type of deal, I'm assuming. He stretches there. Um, he makes sure that the other team knows that he's there and he's in the lineup. Um, and that's just kind of his M.O. So last night, Nick Sealer's the guy's name for it, and he's a former member of the Minnesota Wild. Out of nowhere, the puck drops, and these guys drop the gloves. Again, for no apparent reason. I can't, other was, than to fight. Other than to fight. There was there was nobody taking liberties with the goalie, nobody picking on Kaprizov. There was nothing like that. These guys, I'm sure Delorier, this is my take, Delorier probably realized that he's yeah, not a fight in a while. Mm-hmm. And he's in front of the home folks, and they they want to see this, and probably talked to Sealer, and Sealer agreed to accommodate him. But Trent... It had nothing to do with the game. If it's a hard hit, if it's high sticking and you want to settle a score, kind of like baseball, right? You're going to brush a guy back type of thing. Mm -hmm. You're going to settle it. Um, The unwritten rules. For the folks that hate fighting in the game, last night was your night because this had nothing to do with the hockey game. And this is the type of fight that needs to be removed from the sport. In my old school Hard boot, tough to change opinion. You need to have a reason for it. Yeah, just, just there was no reason for that violent, and it was vi- these guys dropped their gloves yes. with ill intentions and threw haymakers and Delorier's and landed face them and landed them. Sealer took a bunch right in the chops. Delorier's face, he's cut. Now the cut on the bridge of his nose, that's from his visor. Oh, okay. That's when when Sealer's punching down. He's, he probably hit his visor, which is good. He was wearing it because it would have been worse. Mm-hmm. But he cut the bridge of his nose, but he hit him flush in the beak. And you can see the blood. And you can see the blood. Yeah. And if you're watching the fight, you're thinking Delorier from the wild is absolutely crushing this kid. Mm-hmm. But Sealer landed some blows as well. Uh, if, if you want to see it, it's violent. I'll warn you right now. It's 30-second clip. But that's the type of fight that needs to be removed from the sport. Because that's it's no longer 1970, and the Broad Street Billies, the Philadelphia Flyers. The game has changed for the better. Get that out of the game. Makes sense. It I does. Can, I can buy it from that sense. Now, when I see usually these fights, when they come across my Twitter timeline, I have no background. Right. It's just a fight. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if there was something that led to it that was, you know, like you said, so many different ways that people will start a fight to get involved. You're going after the goalie, high stake, whatever right. it is. I don't know, because I just see the fight, and I'm like, oh, that was a good fight. Yeah. And then that's what I see. Are there really people, though, that won't watch hockey because of this? Yes, I think so. A, a big, per- not people, a percentage. A Well, I don't know. I mean, go through, look at the comments from, you know, when the, when the, the video is posted of the fight on Twitter and you see a bunch of comments, read them. I mean, every one of them that's got a bunch has, right, you know, but, what does this have to do with the game? This is why I won't watch hockey. But you but listen isn't to really the, why they won't watch hockey. I don't hockey. know, Trent, because you Because you take the fighting out. Did they go watch high school hockey? No. Did you hear the crowd? Yeah. They're going crazy. Oh, yeah. They're going absolutely bananas. They show all the, the wild players on the yes, with their tap, sticks. Yes, tapping their sticks yep. for both teams after the game. Crowds cuckoo. Go down to Wells Fargo on any given night. The, mm-hmm. the Iowa Wild, somebody drops the gloves. That's as loud as the fans are going to be. Des Moines Buccaneers, same type of thing. There's, a, there's room for it in the game, but not that one. 
Not that one. That had nothing to do with the game of hockey. This was two guys agreeing to fight before the game. The puck drops. You can't, you can't engage in a fight before the puck is dropped. As soon as it's dropped, I mean, they weren't even anywhere close to each other mm-hmm. when the, when the, when the puck was dropped. Drop the gloves, meet at center ice or thereabouts. And just throw bombs. We got more WrestleMania going on. Oh, more scripted fights. And that's what it was. That yeah. was a scripted fight, and I hate it. Let's get Mike. He's been patient. Wants to talk about Arrowhead, and we welcome him to do so. Mike, welcome to the program. How are you? All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I don't mean to go back on a different. No, fine. Topic, go ahead. A couple of things I think working against Arrowhead is that stadium could not be any further away than the Kansas City airport than it is right now. Mm-hmm. That is okay. every bit a 60-minute drive and probably a 150 to $200 cab ride <laughs> or Uber. Yeah. The other thing, the reason why tailgating so big at Arrowhead, there's nothing else That's out true. there. There is one Drury Inn yep. and a Denny's. Yep. And that a gas all. station. An am- it used to be an yep. Amico. I stayed at that Drury Inn. Yeah, so have I. It's not great. <laughs> That's it. I think that's a couple of things where they're going to need to move if they want to get a Super Bowl out there. So what about the Royals? Do they follow suit or do they stay there, do you think? They've been guys, they've been trying to get downtown. downtown yeah. Um at the old, you know, take take the old convention center out, you know, do the model that Denver did, that Cleveland did, mm-hmm. that all a lot of these communities, but for whatever reason the politicians on the Kansas City, Missouri side have worked against that initiative. Yeah. So is this a real Missouri versus state of Kansas thing? Oh, it absolutely is. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you will hear people in Kansas City refer to the K- Kansas Jayhawk fans as those Johnson County people. Is that right? <laughs> wow. Yep. That's awesome. Mike, thanks for the intel. I appreciate the call. I did not know the airport was that far. Thank you. Love the show, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. I didn't realize. I've flown out of there, I think, once. I don't think I've ever flown out of Kansas City. Uh, Peralta and I flew to the uh, Big 12 Media Days. Oh, okay. I don't know why we drove to Kansas City. We drove down there. Could have just kept driving. (laughs) You probably could have, right? But that's the only time. uh, What's the airport called? Uh, Kansas City International Airport? Is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. Municipal? I thought it was named after a politician. Maybe I'm mistaken. Anyways, it might be. Yeah. But maybe not. All right, we will uh, switch gears. Going to get back into the uh, uh, to the tournament. We're down to four teams. Point spreads have they moved about four, four and a half. Kansas favored four. Duke favored now four and a half is what I saw last night. Let's look across the board and see what we find here this morning because there hadn't been a whole lot of movement. I know as of yesterday on these games, we go to college basketball. We have college hoops. Here we go. Villanova. They are. Getting four and a half pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. I see a couple of offshores have it at four, but it's four and a half mm-hmm. from DraftKings to Circa, South Point, all four and a half. Let's go to Duke, North Carolina. That is four all the way across the board. Yep. Those are all fours right now. Uh, 68% of the tickets, 75% of the money currently on North Carolina. On the other side, 72% of the tickets and 74% of the money is on the Jayhawks. Did you change your mind? Have you? Have you? I like Nova in the points. You still do, huh? I think they're going to keep it close. More yeah. than anything, you know, I'm not a big total guy. No, nope. that over under the under in that game, both first half and full game for Kansas Villanova. I think that might end up being my favorite bet coming up at the weekend. Mm. I'm not a big total guy. Mm-hmm. I just think it's destined for sixty four sixty. 
Yeah. Sixty-two. And the number's what? One hundred thirty. What? One thirty-two. One thirty-two. By the way, did you watch any NIT last night? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. So did I. Yeah. Um, I didn't see much of the Xavier game. I was watching the puck. I was watching okay. the Wild. Um, but I saw most of the A and M uh, Washington State. Boy, this A and M team's good. They got some athletes, don't they? Well, we saw them during the SEC tournament and how well they were playing yeah. during that time. As we were out in Vegas at the time, I watched a mm-hmm. lot of them. Uh, during that, there were a couple of Texas A&M fans that were hanging out at the Sportsbook really? at Circa and, yep. and talked to them a little bit. And they said, yeah, this, this team looks completely different. When you get that team that gets kind of the biggest snub of the NCAA And they tournament. seemingly are they, that team, they were, right? Yeah, they were the one that I think had the biggest argument. Mm-hmm. Buzz Williams And had, where were they on the last four out? Do you know? Were they closest to the tournament? No, they weren't the closest. Dayton right? was the closest. Okay. Which is baffling because nobody... Of the bracketologists had Dayton into the field, but they were the overall number one seed, if you will, for the NIT. And I think they were like three or four. They were down really? a little bit more. But when you have a team like that that has that kind of stub, and Buzz Williams goes and has this long, what, seven pages that he was yes, reading about how they were screwed yeah, and, right. and the data that was behind it and everything else. Yeah. If that team can just win that first game, they win that first game, you're a lot of times going to see them make a deep run in the NIT. And that's kind of a handicapping thing to look at. I hate those teams in the first game of the NIT, but if they win that one, get a little bit of momentum, all right, we're pissed off, but we're going to show the world. We're, we're team number 69. We are the team that should have been in, and it feels like Texas A&M, boy, they, it's going to be hard to grab any points with Xavier. It's currently four. I need more than that to take X. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. So I saw it when it first came. Didn't it open like two, two and a half? Was it that low? I think it was. I think A&M's just got better athletes. Anyways, we, it's uh, coming up on 10.30. We'll take our time out, come back, more college basketball conversation. Kerry Miller uh, from Bleacher Report will pick his brain on what we expect to see this coming week. And boy, you know what? Let's get a buzzer beater, right? <laughs> right. Let's get something like just still waiting. edge of our seat uh, to get us out of our seat. Wouldn't that be something, regardless of what side you're on? Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3.com for details. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll start with David Eichel, 24-7 Sports on the Hawkeyes, uh, David Kaplan from Chicago will join us. Cappy's got a new show. Did you see that? Yeah, new TV Is show. Is it daily or or, or uh, weekly? We will find out at eleven thirty. Well, it's. Uh, I know that when it was taken off the air, when they had the change of, um, I don't know, programming format, whatever, at NBC Sports Chicago, he lost his show, but it's back anyway. Speaking of back, Kerry Miller's back. Talk some college basketball with us. BleacherReport.com is where you can read Kerry. Kerry Trenton, Ken, thanks for finding time for us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it seems like a slow crawl to get to Saturday. It always does. Once we get through Sunday, and it's let's just get this thing back going. Because uh, the, the, the two games on Saturday, well, particularly the nightcap uh, with um, with Kansas, uh, with uh, with Duke and North Carolina has a chance to be special. But let's start with Kansas and Villanova. Um, I don't know. It, it seems like that it's, it, with the the injury to Moore puts Kansas in the driver's seat. Villanova's not a, a a team that has a lot of depth to begin with. You remove the second leading scorer, and it seems like it's all going to go Kansas's way. But a lot of folks are saying, "No, tap the brakes. Not so fast." How do you see it? I think I would have been picking Kansas even if Moore was healthy. Certainly, without him, it's 
a lot harder to see them winning. Um, I, I think they just don't have you know, this isn't the same Villanova team that won at all in, in 16 or 18. They're, I mean, they shoot a ton of threes, but they're not as lethal from the perimeter. Uh, they don't have, you know, there's no Daniel Shefu, There's no Amari Spellman. I mean, Eric Dixon has come on strong, and NCAA tournament Jermaine Samuels is a god. Apparently. Yeah, he sure is. I, I don't know if they have the strength in the front court to go up against Kansas. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll certainly see. I mean, I'm by no means am I writing off Villanova, but yeah, playing without, you know, not only was Moore their leading second leading scorer, he led the team in field goal attempts, like by a semi considerable margin. Like he was their go to guy. We, I mean, we all talk about Colin Gillespie because he's been there since right. Perry Ellis re- <laughs> yeah. retired from Kansas, but uh, Moore was just so important in everything that they do, and I think it's going to be tough for them to survive without him. The development of Abaji, watching his career ascend uh, throughout his four years now at Kansas, has been fun to watch. He's been a really good player, and, and it's taken it to another level here in his final go-around. But hasn't played great until that last game, the Elite Eight game against Miami in the NCAA tournament. Is that him maybe just trying to find his way with Remy Martin out there a little bit more, a guy that is certainly a ball-dominant type of player, or is this a bad stretch? What do you think about Abaji and, and what we're going to see on Saturday night? Yeah, Abaji really had a... You know, Frank Mason type of career arc where just all of a sudden, you know, his junior year, he kind of broke out. Now this year, he's, you know, arguably a a national player of the year candidate. Uh I mean, I don't think he's going to get the wooden. I don't even know when they announced the wooden award, maybe this weekend. Yeah, (laughs) I think it is, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, first team All American, fantastic player, but like you said, kind of wasn't, wasn't there the first couple of games. I mean, he's not a, He's not a rebounder. He's not a passer. I mean, he's a scorer. So if those buckets aren't falling, it kind of feels like he's not making much of an impact. Um, I, I think Remy Martin coming back has actually had more of an impact on Christian Brown, who, you know, earlier in the year was averaging close to 20 points per game, was every bit as valuable to Kansas as Abaji was. He's really taken more of a backseat, kind of more of a, you know, tertiary role, more of a rebounder. I, I think if he steps up even more so, um, you know, that, that Kansas five when Remy Martin is in there in place of DeWan Harris, like all five of those guys can score. 25 points in a game uh, if they're feeling it. So I think that's why Kansas is so dangerous. That's an excellent point on Brown. You know who else needs to get going and certainly has that ability? And he has. Uh, look, Wilson's rebounded the ball really well, but he's really struggled to shoot it, in particular the game uh, against the Hurricanes. If he figures his offense out, Kansas might overwhelm him. I think this one has a chance to get away. I know there's not a lot of people with that same take. Of the two, if one of them's to get, you know, really out of hand, doesn't it seem like this would be it and in and in Kansas's favor? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, Villanova's been playing fantastic defense. Um, I looked up their their current eight game stretch, they've allowed fifty six and a half points. And the eight game stretch before that, they allowed seventy three and a half. So like out of nowhere they've become this you know, top-notch defense. So I think that will keep it from getting away. Um, I, I think my official prediction was 68-59 Kansas, but even at that, like, I, I kind of reined myself in to not say it would be a double-digit game because I didn't want to get, you know, freezing cold taked or whatever. <laughs> but I, I, I think this this does have the potential to get a little bit ugly. Like I said, if, if all five of Kansas scorers are, are doing their thing or anything close to it, I just I don't know if Villanova has – you know, the, certainly the depth to keep pace. I mean, we're going to see way more Brian Antoine and Chris Archidiacono than we've seen in quite some time with just more out. We'll, we'll see what they're able to do. Baffling that Duke and North Carolina have never played in the tournament. It really is. You, yeah. you just, you think of these programs and huh. 
you think of football rivalries, Ohio State-Michigan, it ends the season, Alabama-Auburn, and the great ones there. And though these teams play a lot of times at the end of the season, and maybe again in the ACC tournament, the finality of this, where one of these teams is going to be going home, it's, I think, the 251st edition of this rivalry. Of course it's huge because it's a Final Four game, but there's never been stakes like this. It just it takes it to another level that I think there might be some people missing. Just, yeah, they play a lot. It's a big rivalry, but nothing like what we're going to see on Saturday night. Yeah, no, I've got a, a piece coming out on Friday on you know ranking the greatest games slash moments in this rivalry oh, since nice. Coach K took over. Wow. So in the last forty two years, that you know Zion's shoe exploding yeah. is number two on the list. Yeah. The Austin River shot uh-huh. is I think top five. Uh, you know all sorts of you know monumental moments, and there was no question that this game that hasn't even played yet has to be number one. <laughs> right. uh, you know being in the yeah. Final Four, yeah. you know. As great as the rivalry is, like, like you've been saying, none of the games really mattered until now. It's usually a top ten showdown. Maybe they're fighting to see who's going to be a one seed, who's going to be a two seed in the ACC and or NCAA tournament. But it's usually just a fun game with minimal stakes outside of you know bragging rights. This is this is massive. And if North Carolina happens to win and they can say forever, you know, hey, we, we knocked you out of the Final Four. We ended your coach's career. Like, Duke's not going to have a comeback for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so let's go down the rivalry path, gentlemen. If, if Duke, North Carolina is college basketball's best rivalry, Louisville, Kentucky might say, look over here. Right. Um, what yeah. what else? Boy, there used to be so many good Big East ones, but yeah. they've fallen apart. Yeah, it's Syracuse, these two, yeah. to me, on their yeah. own plane. I mean, are we right here, Kerry? Yeah, I mean, pretty much any time we we argue about, you know, what's the best rivalry, Indiana-Purdue comes up, yeah. like the third or fourth okay. best, and that hasn't felt like much of anything outside of that state in a, a long time. Um, I think you could put Arizona-UCLA on that list, but again, you know, those teams don't win titles, mm-hmm. so it, it doesn't feel as, you know, special either. Uh, so it really is, you know, Duke and North Carolina pretty clearly – number one, in my estimation. Louisville, Kentucky, pretty clearly number two, yeah. in my estimation. I really don't even know what the what either. the third best would be right now. Yeah, Syracuse, Georgetown, that jumps to mind, but that was a billion years ago, and they're yeah. not even the same conference anymore. That's true. Yep. Makes it much, much more difficult. Yeah. It's pretty clear cut here. We don't get like we do the final weekend of college football, where you get the Civil War right. over here, and yeah. here's the Apple Cup, mm-hmm. and you got all the these Iron Bowl. Right. Not the same in college basketball. No, it, indeed it is. Well, let's get to the game, Kerry. North Carolina-Duke, we saw it on the uh, final, as Trent mentioned, the final Saturday of the regular season. Didn't get to see it in the ACC uh, in the ACC tournament. Uh, they both won in each other's home floors. They both won convincingly on each other's home floor. Griffin was terrific uh, in Chapel Hill. Not so much when he was at home on uh, uh, Cameron Indoor. Uh, he's a big part of that Duke offense. When he's on, it seems he's a different team. What are we going to see it's the rubber match and how do you see it yeah in both games duke scored over 80 so i think this is going to be a high scoring affair both of these teams have been very hot on offense and have had season-long uh perimeter defense issues and that makes for you know entertaining games if not frustrating ones for the fans of those teams watching them give up all those threes uh and the deep ball has been very kind to North Carolina thus far in the tournament. I wonder if that will mm. betray them now. Uh, I believe opponents are 26 of 98 
uh, from three-point range against the Tar Heels, and for the year they were like 38%. So we'll, we'll see if those season-long numbers pan out. Uh, if Wendell Moore Jr. and A.J. Griffin play better than they did in that second game, I think Duke wins, um, but you know, I will never bet on anything in this rivalry. <laughs> Hubert Davis, you're number one, a lot of frustrations blown out by Tennessee, Kentucky, Notre Dame loss. It just it felt like it was never going to get going. Maybe they'd slip into the tournament, but that would be it. When you look big picture at Hubert Davis, we, we don't know really what kind of technician he is, but what he did pulling this team from where they were to what they are today, really good coaching job. What do you think of him going forward and what he's going to be at Carolina? Yeah, to, to be able to carry that team through all those you know, blowout losses, the disappointing loss to Pitt. Uh, I mean, I think in all those games, really, it was their three-point defense that let them down. I, I think opponents shot over 40% in all, whatever, nine of their losses. Um, so that's that's been the question all along with them. But I, I think he's, obviously, he's been with that program for a while. Uh, I think he's been, he was an assistant for nine years. He was the, the JV head coach uh, for the last, like, seven years, um, you know, knows the the Carolina way. He's got Carolina guys in there, Jeff Lebo, Sean May. I mean, I, I think they, he was set up for success, uh, and he's capitalizing on it. He certainly has changed things a bit. They're a much more three-point-oriented team, which I guess was to be expected when the all-time school's leader in three-point percentage becomes the head coach. But uh, it's been interesting to watch them all season long. I mean, there were certainly stretches where it felt like they could not beat anybody away from home and stretches where it feels like they cannot be stopped. So we'll see which version of that team shows up tonight. But, I mean, either way, it looks like Carolina's in good hands for, for years to come. Uh, Kerry Miller, Bleach Report. All right, so you've got Kansas, uh, you, you uh, Kansas beating Villanova. Who's gonna, who do you have winning this game? I, I have Duke. Uh, I'm not confident in it by any stretch of the imagination, as with every time these teams square off. Right. But I, I think that just the way Duke's been thriving on offense. Uh, I, I think when they when they played that game in Cameron, like I said, A.J. Griffin and Wendell Moore both kind of vanished. Paolo really had to go outside of his comfort zone and really you know, force the issue. I think he took 25 shots in that game. Like, that's not him. Uh, if they're, you know, if all six of their guys are, are playing at their level, they're just so, so tough to beat. I, I think those six outweigh North Carolina's four. Yeah, Roach, he's had a good mm-hmm. tournament so far. So if we do get Duke in Kansas, wow, buckle up. Uh, it's just, is it, is it Krzyzewski's tournament? And we're thinking, we're putting too much thought into it. That he's going to go out a winner? I, I think so, if it's that matchup, yeah. just because Kansas has had such issues defending uh, dribble drive, and Duke has four guys who thrive at that. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to have tough problems uh you know, we saw in the first half against Miami, Kansas's defense against you know Miami's isolation offense was pretty terrible. And eventually, they stagged off of the guys who couldn't score. But you can't do that against Duke because there aren't guys on the floor who can't score. So I, I think the Blue Devils would get that one. But you never know; it could be Villanova over North Carolina in the end. We'll see what happens. So I've uh, asked a couple people this week, big picture, college basketball, a lot of momentum here. See, TV ratings are up. They're going to look different because it's going to be on Turner as opposed to on CBS here for the Final Four and Championship. Uh-huh. But you're talking about, what, 30, 40 million less people that have that inside their homes as opposed to over the air. But well, the momentum that has been gained here and, and the norma- normal C that we've seen of the NCAA tournament, 
how does college basketball move forward? How do they take this momentum and and continue to build the sport back up? Yeah, I mean there are a lot of a lot of theories out there. I mean, I, coming into this season, we knew it was going to be a popular one with the Coach K farewell tour. Like we knew in June this was going to be a big year, and then obviously them making the Final Four makes it even bigger. We'll see if they're able to carry that momentum as you know the old guard of coaches continues to retire, but. I, for me, the big thing is just, you know, find ways to get non-conference events in January and February. Like, the Big 12 SEC Challenge is awesome every year, but that's, like, the only thing that we have. I don't know why we have these, you know, the Maui Invitational, the Battle for Atlantis. And they're all battling with each other and football in Thanksgiving weekend. That's like, true. spread that out over the whole season and just have people know, like, Hey, it's Tuesday. Uh, which tournament is on ESPNU today? I'll watch that. Like, I feel like that would be a fun way to just, you know, get some interest throughout the year, but pretty much try anything. Uh, we're just, you know, stagnant here with just expanding conferences and conference schedules and we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's definitely becoming a more and more regionalized game, which I don't think is, is the way you want to go. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Kerry, thanks for uh, doing this over the last few weeks uh, with us. We sure appreciate it. Thank you, Kerry Miller. You got it. Take care, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. So we take a closer look at uh, the Final Four. By the way, just by the way. Okay. Told not to get off our A.J. Green. Oh, really? Yep. There's still rumblings, huh? I was told. Still happening. We, we kind of not tap the brakes or walk. We didn't walk it back. No. We just uh, put, reported what the register had said, that uh, the rumors out there that A.J. Green's going to Iowa State, it's not going to happen is what... The two recruiting people said. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't a Miller and Condon versus them. No, no. I don't care who's right. I really don't. But I'm... Different circles. We've had different conversations. Yeah. We we said, we have heard. Mm-hmm. And I heard again yesterday that you're... We're barking up the right tree? That's what I was told. All right. We'll see. Anyways. Looking at uh, TV numbers, I brought that up with Carrie. Yeah. The highest rated Final Four game on Turner was the 2015... Kentucky-Wisconsin game, where the Badgers upset undefeated Kentucky, 22.6 million. Does Duke Carolina beat that number? That is the highest ever for TBS. Uh, but what did uh, what did Bird Magic do? That was 35 million. Was it really? 35 million, watch that one, 1979. Yeah, yeah. I got the full list here. Is that number one? It is number one, yeah. yeah. That is number one, 35.1 million, a 24 share TV was a little different in 79. Absolutely. Uh, I guess in, in my history, yep. the ones that always jump to mind, UNLV Duke, well, there's mm-hmm. a blowout, the Final Four game, and they don't have those ones listed. The first actual Final Four games, not championship games they have listed, is 97 uh, here when the national finalists. But uh, big championship games, going back to Duke, Michigan. That thing was a behemoth. That drew 34.3 million, almost broke Jeez. the record. Now we bring it to recent history. How far back do we want to go? Recent history within the last, let's say, decade. Yep. Michigan Louisville, 2013, that had 23 million, 28 million for the Wisconsin Duke, the national championship after the Badgers upset Kentucky. A lot of buzz in that one. Gonzaga UNC, just shy of 23 million. So what did what did the Zags Baylor do last year? 16.9. Jeez, that's a stinker. So what was the number you said 22 million does does Duke North Carolina beat 22 million on Saturday 22. night? 22.6. The answer is yes. It beats it. I think so. Regional. Shashevsky. Yeah, that's a good one. You got me there. Yeah. Okay, last time rivalry. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they get there. It's the best rivalry in college basketball. Kentucky-Louisville is really good, Mm -hmm. and they hate each other, um, but this is on a different level. We'll come back, finish up the hour. Uh, It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. With you here until noon, busy 11 o'clock hour coming up. So uh, we learned earlier this morning your unrelenting love of Spencer Petrus. <laughs> it just it will never leave you. Yeah. Well, I got news for you. Uh-huh. Coming up this weekend. I'm buying his jersey. Well, not no, only not. can you buy his jersey, oh. you can get his autograph. He's going to be here this weekend for the big Capital City Card Convention He's going to be amongst the people that will be signing so, autographs. So, so tell, I, this first I've heard of this event. It is uh, put together by the guys at JCD and Hobby and uh, a couple other places, but it'll be happening Iowa Event Center Friday. Oh, so it's a big event. Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to head over there after the show on Friday and just get a look around and, and see things a little bit. So I'm not a collector anymore, right. but I still like going there. In fact, yeah. I was at the Rookie over in Clive yesterday talking to Anders over there and, and just looking at that memorabilia. You know, the industry has changed so much, but... You know, the things that I have, the wax packs from the 1980s mm-hmm. into the 90s are not worth a whole lot anymore, but just such a cool you know, history and, and the autographs and everything else. So I'm just going to go bum around a little bit, but Petrus is going to be there Sunday. So, <laughs> I, so you got, you've, you've, I've got plans. Is that what you're saying? Well, after hearing you earlier today, I would guess. <laughs> well, I just, I don't know. There's, Trent, there's nobody else. That's kind of my take. Yeah. Somebody's going to play the position, and I'm just not sure what, what, what there is. You know what's really taken off? Um, I don't know if it's cut into the sports card market, but the used tickets. Yeah. The ticket market is just through the roof. And you can't get tickets you can't. a lot of places anymore. It, it, exactly. And I had scads of them, mm-hmm. and I have no idea where they are. Oh, I really? Mean, I don't know if they would have been worth anything. But I would love to go back and see. Don't you have your Super Bowl ones, though, yes, like I in do. a frame? Yes, yeah, I, I thought I saw that before. I've got those, and i got the Rose Bowl. Yep. Uh, I've got the three Super Bowl tickets, Super Bowl 50. Um, which ones was I at? 32, 50, and 43, I think. But they're worth a ton. I mean, they're worth a ton. They're worth more than they were game day. That's wild. Isn't it nuts? I don't get it. And when you're leaving, this, people are trying to buy your tickets from you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Capital City Card Convention happening. And where this is it? It's at the Event Center. Iowa Event Center downtown. You can get tickets online. Just uh, search Capital City Card Convention. It'll pop up. So, other than speeches, there are a bunch of guys signing. Yeah, has to be, Riley right? Moss is going to be there. Xavier Wampa, Troy Davis was scheduled to appear. Raleigh Fingers, bunch of people. Nice. 